The Money Show. Business Unusual. With Colin Cullis. So, Colin, the information regulator, two words that scare me quite a lot. Information and regulator, put them together and they become doubly scary because I, I kind of think I can help myself think, um, uh, I think. Uh, but I, when there's an information regulator, I get a little bit nervous of bureaucrats bearing clipboards of rules. A fair point, Bruce, and how this is implemented is going to determine if uh, you know there's enough to protect us versus too much to make it hard for people to do business. And on that point, I wonder if, uh, if we had to randomly ask 10 people listening to us right now, are they aware that their Section 32 annual reports are due on the, on Friday? <laughs> Would they know, one, that that was the case, or two, what on earth a Section 32 report even is? And this goes for any business uh, that's not a tiny little micro business. So any business that's of, of some certain size, we need to have it, along with the fact that they need to actually have an information officer themselves appointed so that a member of the public or anybody who needs to extract information from that business will have a single person to go to who can be held liable for ensuring that information is shared. So I think those are justified, but the catch has been, uh, how do you make sure everybody's aware of it? And once they're aware of it, actually apply it in a way that's not going to be odious and, and a problem. Uh, and to give you the answer to that section 32 thing I mentioned, it is basically the inception point for how all this came about, because it starts with the constitution of 1996 that said everybody in South Africa should have access to information that will materially affect them and for their rights to be protected. That's the section 32. And so it grows to the uh, the, the first of the two acts that principally uh, the information regulator in South Africa is concerned with looking after. And that's the, uh, no, the, the one I have to read it, the uh, access to information, uh, promotion of, prom- promotion of access to information <laughs> act of 2000. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I think you know why people struggle with this. Cause <laughs> I've been spending the last two days trying to get my head around it. And it's hard. I, I'll admit it's hard. And I deal with this actually most days, but, my day job, as it were, does involve handling people's personal information. And so we have to be very careful how we handle it and, and be sure that we know what, 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 we're do, what, what we are doing. So anyway, the Constitution said this is important because, of course, apartheid history would tell us that South Africans were, were, were kept in the dark about what was going on and couldn't ask of the government what on earth they were up to. So thankfully, our Constitution says governments must supply us with that information. It is thankfully a growing and a relatively well-established trend uh, in most uh, established democracies and you know institutionalized in, in most of the world's countries. But South Africa goes a little further than most because usually that access to information is of the state. Individuals may ask any information of the state and the state will have to show why it can't um, you know, share it. In South Africa, that goes to third parties as well. We can ask it of anyone. If uh, access to that information will go to protecting our own rights, we can ask everybody. And this is where the Section 32 part then comes from that requires companies uh, to set up this uh, uh, PIA sort of manual that says, here's who this company is and here's who you need to contact if you want to know something. And every year what you're supposed to submit is a, a, um, a report on how many people asked you for information, how many of those you gave, how many of those you refused, on what grounds you refused it, et cetera, so that the information regular can see what is the state of people requesting information and the likelihood of them getting it back. So in that respect, um, that is excellent. And the biggest case that I suppose most South Africans say, oh, is that how or that why um, we, we have this information now? And, and there was PIA that was used along with you know our right to vote that uh, saw the constitutional court rule that our laws that allowed political parties not to disclose who was funding them, which would effectively then prevent us from having access to information, 
uh, that it needed to be amended. And so that was that was amended in 2019. That now allows us to know which uh, which donations uh, political parties get. And again, political parties would say, well, we're not an organ of the state. We're a, we're a separate thing of the state. And so this was a case where that was uh, able to be enacted, and, and that's pretty good. The the trick, though, I suppose, that, that sometimes comes up with this um, is that uh, people who, who don't want to uh, give out too much information, um, who then can be taken to court on, on this basis, run the risk of the sort of Barbara Streisand effect. And this is a name that's been given to something that's what? really been around for a lot longer than this particular case. Uh, but it, it, it was kind of a funny one, so it's, it's become stuck. Uh, Barbara Streisand owned a very fancy uh, property in a very rich part of, of Hollywood. And when Google Maps was you know, taking pictures of the entire planet, she said she doesn't want her home to be, to be on, you know, on, on the map. Now, it's the entire planet. So you kind of imagine, well, it's going to get lost in the entire planet. Somebody have to know your address to know that's where you live. Uh, but she said, no, that's not good enough. And she went to court to say Google couldn't uh, you know, publish her address. Of course, a court now in a public space would say, uh, which address can't they pu- uh, publish? In which case she disclosed it. Everybody was watching the court case. Everybody now knows Barbara Streisand's address. And in the end, the court said, no, you can't actually blur it out. You, you're not going to be protected from having your picture as one of billions all over the planet. Um, and so this is the, the sort of thing between balancing those rights for who should get access and, and, and on what basis versus uh, you shouldn't. Uh, and then the second one, and this is the one that's, that's really most recently uh, sort of got fully formed. It was a year. We, we're now celebrating a year that uh, Poppy has been fully. Um, uh, I don't know if we're celebrating and, a year. I, I, we were acknowledging that it's been a year. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm yes, celebrating. But... <laughs> um, I like birthdays. I like Christmas. I like um, other. I like Valentine's Day even. like celebrate that. I'm not celebrating one year of Poppy. I'm acknowledging it's been around for a year and I wish it was dead. But other than that, yes. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> well, fair enough. And, and again, I'm going to, to prevent myself getting tongue-tied or potentially just getting it wrong, we'll, we'll refrain from getting into the legal stuff and try and offer you one or two cases where it's been used uh, to try and illustrate its potential value and then and the potential downside of it. Uh, I'll start with the downside of it because just this last week, uh, a municipality, having been challenged for its inability to look after and ensure that the electricity uh, was, was keeping the lights on, we're challenged by residents to say, what are the qualifications of the electricians used by the municipality that are supposedly responsible for keeping the lights on? And they offer to say, because of Poppy, we cannot disclose what the qualifications of those electricians are. Now, that, I think, is them overreaching, trying to say, listen, we don't want to disclose that perhaps we're employing people that don't have the qualifications and we don't want to tell you that. So this is the basis we, we're not going to tell you. But one that effectively uh, affected certainly a lot more people. And I think in the end was settled correctly. It did take a court, but it was settled correctly. It was one from the beginning of this year, when on the 10th of January, the Department of Basic Education said, gosh, the new law came into effect, fully into effect in 1 July uh, 2021. And so for the usual publication of matric results, they thought, oh, gosh, now we are about to tell everybody who's got a newspaper, a website, whatever else, where they, get, they generally get published, um, here are the results for this matrix.'" Uh, you know, trick exam. And so when approached uh, with information regulator, the information regulator agreed that if you were were going to be publishing personal information and then the result, that would be an overreach for saying you're compromising somebody's, uh, you know, personal identity there. And people weighed in to say that was a great idea or that was a terrible idea. And both of the arguments had some merit. I think people just sort of missed what it is they were arguing about. In the end, the court, I think, took a very common sense approach and said, there is no need for you to know a person and their mark. 
but there is no need to withhold the fact that somebody got a mark because public platforms or you know media platforms are a great place for people to be able to easily access and then see what their results were because the the department was looking to say you have to go back to the school that you wrote your exams and only there could you ask for it now that's not always practical for everybody to be able to do so and the simple solution was that uh, matrix all matrix will get given an exam number that's the only way they know so that the system can keep them kind of anonymous but known to the people who need to be able to uh, compare their scores to you know who actually wrote the exam and so they simply published the exam number with the result. Only the matrix would know what the exam number was. Everybody else would just see a long list of numbers with an equally long list of results. So that's the kind of, um, I think, clever way that it needs to be applied. But it doesn't mean that there won't be quite a few people who still get it wrong or, or try and use it in an incorrect way. But for the right way to approach this, that was just uh, this last week. The information regulator last, last week sent a summons to the South African Police Service to say that they are not happy with the answers it got after the names and addresses of the women who were raped in Krugersdorp uh, in, in late July were, were, were written up onto a message that was shared on WhatsApp, and then that, that WhatsApp message was shared further and effectively became public. Now, on that basis, we never really had an easy way to protect that sort of thing. The individuals would have to go and potentially sue or do something. So to have somebody with the power of the information regulator go to chase up an organization the size of SAPS to say this is unacceptable for how you've been treating personal information, particularly this kind of personal information, and that it won't be acceptable, I think is a fantastic thing. So we'll be following that case very closely to see you know, what does SAPS do? How long does it take them to do it? And then what um, potential penalties are there that will follow? Because the act allows for up to 10 years imprisonment if somebody's found guilty of a, of a significant breach uh, or fines up to 10 million rand for each of those potential breaches, breaches in the, um, the most significant ones. And I think that is, that is the kind of teeth that you need in an act like this that then adds to the other institutions that for many years, you know, really have been taking a battering because people simply weren't applying the, the good laws that we did have or just ignoring them because they figured there's somebody there that's going to look the other way. And, and so this is kind of uh, hopefully what we can rely on now. And then just to uh, give some context to some of the uh, the other elements that we still got to be able to address, and this goes to spam and who's got access and whatever else. And for South Africa, it's, it's probably going to be data breaches. You know, companies who kind of were doing their best to not have people get access to the information, but perhaps not spending everything they should, get breached, the information's leaked, in the past, they simply have to deal with the embarrassment and the, and the loss of potential income because they're probably going to get blackmailed to uh, to get that information back. Now, potentially, the information regulator is going to say, "Oh, I'm going to I'm going to add to your pain by giving you some more things to think about for not having looked after that information." So, when you add all of those things together, I think we're on a, a much better wicket uh, for, for for looking after uh, you know our privacy, uh, and hopefully, at some point, uh, things will improve. Uh, but it will take all of us as well uh, to play our part. Don't. You know, willy-nilly give your information away, ask what it is that somebody wants. And again, for companies, there's going to be a lot of work still to be done to make sure uh, staffing in, inside those companies understand what um, what is expected of them. Thank you. Colin Cullis with Business Unusual this evening. The information regulator ready to flex some privacy law muscle. Yes, we need the protections. Do I think it's going to be clear? Do I think it's going to be simple? Do I think it's going to be brilliantly managed? Oh, wait and see.